Welcome to Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkgaard. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of Valerie, her guests, and callers. Now here's your host, Valerie Kirkgaard. This is for you. This is for you and me. And who we see when we see each other. This is for all. This is for all the time you tried to find your sister or your brother. And you're not crazy anymore. You've been waiting at the door. And it's time to you bet one door after another is opening and opening and closing and some of them are getting blown off in the wind and all kinds of things are happening you're listening to waking up in america dynamic radio dialogues on life today in america brought to you by key media happily 200.hghbreakthrough.com once again happily 200.hghbreakthrough.com it's one of the most important things i've ever done for myself in my life actually reversing the aging process. RandyShannon.com, TheBodyCan.com, Bragg.com, and that's Bragg with two Gs, Happily200.com, the possibility of living to be 200 years old, TheConingCompany.com, Sir Jason Winter T, and DrBal.com. Bob Sercosta of the Home Shopping Network says we're doing radio that's changing the world. Thanks, Bob. Thanks, thanks, thanks. If you hear a telephone ringing, a dog barking, or an angel singing, we call from our homes and offices around this world to cause this program. Now, Jesus spoke in Aramaic, and in Aramaic, the Lord's Prayer, pray means to go out into the world and get that which is yours. So always include a prayer for the celebration of our republic for the United States of America, not of, it's for the United States of America. And uh, what can I tell you? what we're up to. We also ask you for respect for our animal friends as well as for each other in our communities. Take a look in your community and see what kind of a contribution you could make. Whether it's to take books to the library to give away or whether it's to help somebody out. Or I highly, highly, highly recommend that you start to enjoy the possibility of just doing a good deed every day. I've done it now for about four years and it's life-changing. So, uh, it changes a lot of things if you start giving. And then if we all do, things get happier. So today our program is dedicated to the possibility of actually seeing what's actually happening with the with our country and how that works. And today we actually have with us um, David Rudot, the, um, the frequency of <coughs> Jesus, excuse me, <coughs> and Anna Von Reich, who actually has one of the um, most prolific... She's prolific when it comes to writing about things that are relevant to um, things outside of what we're told as far as government poppycock. Uh, she's also committed. She's a committed human being. She's If you go to her, at her website, com, R-E-I-T-Z.com, You'll find over 700 articles that she's read, and if you start to read them, all of a sudden you're going to get what's been going on and what's happening. So we're going to play um, a song.
seven-minute tape for you today, and then after that we're going to work around that, and Anna's going to tell you actually what's happening here. And um, David's going to um, going to comment, and if he comes up with um, that particular thing that we were trying to remember, he'll share that with you too, because we're... We're very much in the present moment on this radio program, and we do have our scripts and such, but at the same time, those scripts are a structure. Um, the reality of what's being offered to you and the generosity of the people that have come to be on Waking Up in America are breathtaking. In case you're wondering where dear Randy is, many of you know she lives in Miami, Florida, um, and Ron Hayes as well. Ron's holed up there. for They've decided not to leave, and Randy's gotten herself into the strongest hotel in um, the Marriott Hotel, which was just recently built, and I think it withstands 10 hurricanes or something like that, level 10s. So she's going to sit there and watch the storm with her sons, and then we'll get, a, we'll, we'll get a full story from her next week about what's going on. Today it's um, Mike Vitale, our amazing announcer, uh, David Rudot, and Anna Judge Anna Von Wrights. So, Mike, would you play the tape, please? The event is coming soon. I greet you in the love and the light of the infinite creator. Scientists discover a force field around the human body that you can actually feel. By Arjun Walia September. The human body is fascinating, and although we've come a long way with regard to understanding how our own biology works, there is still much to be discovered, and still much that has yet to be understood. Even with all of our advancements, and how far we've come, it has but a minor peak in a long road of discovery. How do we sense the world around us? Are there hidden factors which are unobservable that remain hidden from the human eye? Sure there are. Why do we duck before coming to a low ceiling? Why do we dodge things that are thrown at us? Do we have more senses than we've been lead to believe, and do these senses play a role? New research from scientists at the Karolinska Institute in Stockholm, Sweden have used a very well-known experiment, called the rubber hand illusion comet to demonstrate that humans can sense what feels like a force field between the brush and the rubber hand. The rubber hand experiment causes people to feel that a rubber hand placed on the table before them is their own. A great example of a shift in perception that is followed by a sense of disowning their real hand. As a piece from The Guardian explains, the illusion comes on when the real and fake hands are stroked at the same time and speed for a minute or two. In combining the visual information with the touch sensations, the brain mistakenly concludes that the rubber hand must be part of the person's body. When questioned about the feeling, the volunteer said it seemed that their own hand had vanished and the fake hand had become their own dot. Participants are usually shown a fake rubber hand while their own is behind the screen. It's amazing how the brain starts to believe that the fake hand is actually their own, and makes you ponder what else is illusionary, yet considered real by our brain. If you're really interested in that, you might want to look up concepts like the holographic universe. Dot. Below is a demonstration of the experiment. In this particular case, the rubber hand experiment was modified. This time, scientists duplicated the test but instead of touching the fake hand, they applied brush strokes in midair, 
above the fake hand. The study involved 101 adults, and instead of participants believing the fake hand is their own, they started to sense what feels like a force field between the rubber hand and the brush. Although it may seem like it, this isn't a new phenomenon. As the Huffington Post points out, Neuroscientific evidence of the phenomenon first emerged in the late 1990s in animal studies. Princeton University's Michael Graziano recorded the electrical activity of neurons in the parietal and frontal lobes of the brains of monkeys. They found that some neurons fired not just when they were touched by an object, but also when it came near them. Quite remarkable, isn't it? This means that we have the ability to sense the world around us without the use of what are our commonly believed six senses. We clearly have more that we are unaware of, and this could be one of several. The study posits that this sensation continues at at least 15 inches above the rubber hand. Arvid Gerstam of the Karolinska Institute, and co-author of the study told New Scientist, We can elicit this bizarre sensation of there actually being something in the air between the brush and the rubber hand. It has been dubbed as pre-personal space, used to help us navigate through the physical world with safety. But wait, there is more. More research to complement this type of research has emerged, adding more confusion to the puzzle. In neuroscience, there is a term known as predictive anticipatory activity, PAA. More than 40 experiments investigating panhumans have been published over the past 36 years, including, Hartwell, 1978, Radin et al., 1995, 2011, Bierman and Radin, 1997, Radin, 1997, 2004, Don et al., 1998, Bierman, 2000, Bierman and Skolt, 2002, McDonough et al., 2002, Spottiswood and May, 2003, McCratty et al., 2004A, B. Sartori et al., 2004, May et al., 2005, Tresolgi et al., 2005, 2009, 2011, Radin and Borges, 2009, Bradley et al., 2011. One study found that the body can actually sense events up to 10 seconds before they happen. The study was published in the journal Frontiers of Human Neuroscience titled Predicting the Unpredictable. Critical analysis and practical implications of predictive anticipatory activity examined a number of experiments regarding this phenomenon that were conducted by several different laboratories. You can read more about that here. Don't forget about the Department of Defense examining other human senses, from remote viewing, to psychokinesis and more. ULL learn more about that from the Stargate program. We also have a lot of articles pertaining to this on our website. Here is a related one as an example that you can check out if interested. CIA document confirms reality of humans with special abilities able to do impossible things. The wonderful and brilliant scientists over at the Institute of Hard Math have done some amazing work shedding light on the science of the heart, as well as the electromagnetic fields that all life has surrounding it and how these fields communicate with the fields of others, and can change depending on what emotions we are feeling. They are also deeply connected to our biology. Please like us and share with your social media. Please subscribe and click the bell.
to be notified of our new videos. And visit our sister channel. The event is coming soon for additional intel and information. Stay tuned. Victory of the Light. Event is coming soon. YouTube channel. I love the voices of the coming soon. It sounds like the shadow from what I used to listen to the radio as a kid. I think what I noticed mostly and why I thought this was an important um, thing for you all to hear, I, I like the part, Anna and, and, and David, about how we know something's going to happen 10 seconds before it's going to happen. Uh, I also like the part that that we can be easily misled. <laughs> I'm curious what your reactions were, uh, Anna, as you listened to that tape. Well, I'm kind of an odd person to ask about this because um, I've been aware of the soul and the spirit realm, the electrical world beyond us for a long, long time. I mean, I can't remember a time when I wasn't aware of it. Right. And I was, frankly, very surprised as a small child that others weren't directly aware of it. Uh Uh-huh. That explains and a I, lot, actually, about you. And I, I think that what's happening is that we're all kind of catching fire now, finally. At least a, a large percentage of the population. And I, I it's funny because, uh, you know, talking earlier, we were um, talking about the vibration of, of Jesus, the frequency of Jesus. Well, um all life has its own frequency, but there is an underlying frequency that I call God. You know, that there's one life that feeds all these other lives. And, uh, you know, that that underlying frequency even uh, has in its way, it enlivens rocks. Uh-huh. I mean, things that we, that we don't normally think of as, as um, living in fact, have an element of life in them. And they have their own frequency, as each and every one of us do. Um, and even, you know, th- there are different frequencies from dog and tree, different kinds of trees, and then even individual trees. It's all, it's all very individualized. But have you ever done all, remote viewing? Yes. Me too. I took a class with Major Ed Dames. That was an amazing experience. Uh, they gave us four codes. Like so they, uh, I'll just give you an example. They give us numbers like one seven eight six, and that was all they would give us. They gave us a you know a background and training in it beforehand. But for, after they put the code up, and then we were supposed to start feeling different colors, different what, temperatures. Uh, picking up images and all kinds of stuff, and I was absolutely astounded that out of a room of 80 people, every single person was picking up something right. that was relevant to what it was. And I remember one of them, the one that was most dramatic for me uh, when it came up, um, I started crying, and I didn't know what it was. I just started crying, and all I could hear was people running around and screaming and dying. And uh, I, I, I was just totally wrapped up in it. And 
Major Dames came over to me and said, you know, you're very psychic, but we couldn't have you on the team because you're too emotional. (laughs) And I said, what am I psychic about? And he said, wait till you see what, what, what you're crying about. And what came up on the screen was what the remote viewing thing that we were doing was um, World War I soldiers in a gas attack, and they were running around coughing and dying. And I was right there. I was oh. I I couldn't see the soldiers. I could, but I could see. I was in the middle of the chaos. I was in the middle of the conversation. I I I I heard people screaming and dying. The whole thing. And the teams of people that go and do remote viewing, Anna, they were telling me that, and David, they were telling me that they can actually go in and get safe combinations. They can tell you what's in the safe. They've been to um, China. There's a mountain, I guess, in Taiwan that's loaded with treasure. They've been inside. You know, it's just, they can describe it. It's um, amazing. Are you familiar with Major Dames? I'm familiar with his work. Um, there are others that are involved in in remote viewing that I'm more acquainted with. Um, well, he's the one that trained the army. Was the uh, trained the U- U.S. Army? But I think what we're opening up to is the fact that there are things that are going on that we're not seeing. And one of the things that we were talking about before the show started originally, I wanted you. Uh, to come on and talk about TDAs and um, all of that, of what's going on with that. At the same time, when we were having that conversation before the show, uh, and I asked you, I said, so is is, <laughs> is President Trump under house arrest, and what's all that about? Um, I think that's really important for our listeners to know, and if you would put that out, and David, if you have any comments on this, please feel free to jump in. Yeah, I'll wait till. Uh, is your name Diane? I can't remember. I'm sorry. Anna. 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 I don't know Diane. Anna. I'll wait to Anna because uh, I, I will. I also want to hear what you have to say, Anna. And I got, got a little bit about this uh, frequency thing that it's interesting, but it's about singing because that's what I do. But Anna, I'd like to hear what you have to say that you were going to bring. So I'm interested in that. Okay. Well. Basically, what we've just been discussing is that there are um, layers of government, and the municipal government, called the Municipal United States, uh, is a corporation that uh, has been liquidated. It's been in Chapter 7 since 2013, and um, so we're going on four years of liquidation activity and um you know, just getting ready to um, cast that layer of government drift. And um, my understanding is is that we're getting very close to the end and settlement of that municipal bankruptcy. Um, so, like, there, you know, the first week of October, it should be over. Um, I do the and then, pardon and the me? president and stuff. Um, Well, then when the municipal government goes, it it bumps down to the territorial USA, which is another corporation at another level, and uh, that's why the generals are are so involved. They're the trustees of the territorial government. And uh, at that point, 
it, it's a big question of, you know, what does Donald Trump do? Um, if he initially stepped into office as the president of the municipal corporation, um, obviously the Chapter 7 was already well under underway because it began in 2015 um, by the time that he took office. Now, if he just stepped in as the municipal president, and that's how his election is, is being um, interpreted, then in October he won't have an office because the corporation he works for is basically going to be defunct. Okay? And then the question is, well, it, was he also then uh, elected as the territorial USA government? Um, just in one general election, can can a guy wear that many hats all at once, and how are these corporations truly related? Are they, um, you know, was the municipal government corporation a, a spin-off of the territorial government so that he can take over as president of the territory? Um, or is this going to then uh, create a situation where someone else has to be elected, or... Um, you know, how are they going to, to make this work? It's a, it's, a, it's a problem that we've never had in the history of the uh, United States government. And uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how they work this out. Um, there is, of course, an unincorporated United States of America underlying all of these corporate entities. And that is the level of government that actually originally delegated the powers to the territorial and municipal governments, which they've rather abused and uh, mismanaged. But um, the actual, real, unincorporated United States underlies everything else. So um, any... Any government that thought that they were going to undermine this country by uh, attacking these corporations will be sadly disappointed to know that, yes, indeed, we have an unincorporated government that is still alive, still functioning, and and still um, able to take on the role and the responsibilities of, of choosing our affairs and Electing would our this, officials and doing everything else we need to do. Would this Anna have been in 1871? Is that when you're talking about them handing over the power? No, actually, the what happened is, um, okay, we we won the Revolutionary War, right? Or at least Supposedly, we got. Supposedly, I'm point, not even yeah. about that. <laughs> yeah, well. They got I think we still paid homage to the Queen. I think there was some kind of tax agreement on that, wasn't there? Well, there, in 1783, we had what was called the Definitive Treaty of Peace, and that's what actually ended the hostilities between the colonists and the king. And as part of that deal, the king retained uh, 19 enumerated services or powers that were delegated to him, and he was in turn obligated to act as a trustee. Now, he was paid for these services, and essentially what it was was that we needed to get our 
our products to market in Europe. Our agricultural products mainly, our mine, mining products, things of that nature. But uh, even though we had a very large commercial fleet, we didn't have a navy. So we needed protection on the high seas. And the British Navy at that point was the greatest navy on earth, and they uh, were well able to uh, ride guard for us and protect us from privateers that would otherwise uh, scuttle and steal our commercial shipping. So we made a deal in the Treaty of Paris with the uh, with King George that he would retain these 19 functions, which were called essential government services. And you can see this in the Treaty of Paris, and you can see it again in Article 4 of the Constitution. It actually says, you know, that you know, we're to receive these essential government services. And if you read both of these documents together, the uh, Treaty of Paris and the Constitution, it becomes very clear that... Um, the, the Treaty of Paris was the the guiding principle of, of how this was going to be divvied up and done that was then later actually uh, given flesh and bone by the Constitution that got down into the, the details of the deal. Um, so the Constitution is actually a trilateral, multinational agreement in which one party delegates some of its powers to the other and works out how they're going to pay for these services because powers are should be... Whenever you see the word enumerated powers, you should think enumerated services. And when you see federal uh, government, you should think contract government because actually they're under contract to provide us services. And that's what those words meant. Those were the synonyms back at the time the Constitution was written. Our language has changed quite a bit. And um, some of the things that, that we interpret one way, the colonials would have interpreted another way. Is that the rubber um, hand effect? Um, no, I think it's it's more the British trying to glom on to more and more property and rights and, and things in, in America. They they never really gave up their desire to uh, continue to piggyback on our shoulders. And to a large extent, they've succeeded by guile and by deceit and various other uh, means. They have contrived to use us as resources for them. And that really came push to shove in 1822 when despite all of the treaties and agreements ending the War of 1812, uh, the Pope then and the British monarch then um, signed a secret agreement called the Secret Treaty of Verona, 1822, in which they agreed that our government was not... Um, it, it was not something that was compatible with the um, doctrine of uh, monarchs having divine right to rule, and it wasn't something that agreed with the Pope's supremacy. So both the, the Popes and the monarchs had reason 
to want to undermine our government, and they agreed to do so, even though they were both on the hook to act as our trustees. So they breached the trust in secret back in 1822, and they've continued to benefit from the Americans and the Americas and to exercise all these delegated powers against us ever since. So even though the Definitive Treaty of Paris provides for um, the, the king and his heirs to receive tribute and gold and to have an interest in, in the gold assets of the American states, um, it's really clear that they should never have been allowed to have any of that. Right. Uh, once they broke the, you know, once they breached the trust, then there's really no reason that they should have been receiving any kind of tribute whatsoever from us. Stop with breaching of trust, okay? Then it, it, uh, the, the whole thing is a, a story of one trust after another being breached. You're saying that this government is coming to an end in um, probably by the first part of October. I actually called David on the um, the solar eclipse, right, what it was happening. And I said, hey, David, your time has come because this is the portal through which Jesus returns. So, uh, and he laughed and said, whatever you said, but if we take a look at what Anna is talking about, we and we take a look at it, I liked it, I, I realized when I was listening why I put the rubber hand in. Uh, because it's uh, how easily we're deceived, but at the same time, how bright we are, because we do have instincts and intuitions and frequencies, and uh, we live in a world which actually disturbs them, you know, with the cell phones and all this different, these different things, our concentration, our, we're being poisoned by our food, all different kinds of things are happening, all the cell phone um, frequencies in the air, things of that nature. Um, our 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 receptors are being scrambled. I think, uh, Anna. But what I'm appreciating is exactly how corrupt this thing has been the whole time. Because right. Anna, America celebrate the Fourth of July, thinking that we had total independence from England. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I read Benjamin Franklin's life and a couple of others, and I got totally that we. We we apparently won something, okay, and we can celebrate that. But there's we won the land jurisdiction. Homage. We totally won the land jurisdiction of this country. We did win that. Yeah, we did and, and win we, that. But see, when I also wanted in this program to talk about uh, the TDAs, and I think the TDAs are part of the bankruptcy, probably, aren't they? Absolutely. Um, so if you let people know what this has evolved into in these Treasury Direct accounts that are making people salivate, and I think Heather has been let out of jail, uh, but yeah. I don't really know how people are supposed to navigate with this, and you were suggesting that there also was another solution. Well, yeah. There's, okay, if you go back to the Treaty of Paris, 1783, you'll see that there are two distinct groups of people on this continent. There are the free, sovereign, and independent people of the United States, and there are the inhabitants 
which are British um, citizens that are left here to provide those essential services we were talking about. Okay? So you've got two different groups of people, basically what we would have uh, in school have called the, the colonials or the continentals and the Tories, the, the former British people, the British king's supporters, who were left here after the Revolutionary War. They were not harmed. They were put to work by the quote-unquote federal government. And their job was to provide these 19 enumerated services. Okay? Okay, let's fast forward. The Civil War. The Civil War was not a war. It was never declared, and it was never ended with a peace treaty. It was a commercial, I will say an illegal commercial conflict on our shores. It should never have been at all, okay? And it has no authority or, or respect as a war because it wasn't one. It was just a big, a huge, huge, huge fight is, is essentially what it was. And it was, you know, it was outlawry from the beginning and outlawry at the end. So we we call it the Americans of a war, but we really shouldn't. It's an illegal conflict is, is always an illegal conflict, and it will never be anything else. So um, let's call it the American civil conflict that happened in the 1860s. We come out of that, and everything is in a huge mess. The northern states have been bankrupted by semantic deceit and process of assumption debt, uh, the southern states are in ruins. And all that's really functioning is the U.S. Army, known at that point as the Grand Army of the Republic, and the so-called Rump Congress. Now, the Rump Congress was a completely rogue organization then, and I believe that it has continued to be a rogue organization even now, and it basically was a Congress that was not totally elected. Uh, some of the positions were appointed. Um, there were all sorts of, of double dealing, dealing and dirty deeds that, that resulted in the Congress being corrupted. And also to it operating as a board of directors. It's never stopped. <laughs> God. Okay, so now the District of Columbia was set up in 1702. So it was already functioning long, 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 long before any of this stuff happened. And uh, then it was formalized in 1802 as a corporation. So in 1802, there was already a uh, District of Columbia government set up and running as a corporation, and it was that District of Columbia organization that ultimately was running things after the bankruptcy of the um, original United States company during the war, 1863, which is when Lincoln issued the Lieber Code, General Order 100, and made the U.S. Army, or the at that point, Great Army, uh, Grand Army of the Republic, responsible for um, 
the territorial government and for our money. And everybody should kind of perk up their ears at that point. Okay, so the 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 Grand Army of the Republic and its heirs and the signs is responsible for our money huh. or lack thereof. Okay. So that's who's running everything in Washington, D.C. at the end of the Civil War is actually the Grand Army of the Republic. And, and you see that Ulysses S. Grant... For for you to um, be into the the TDAs and such. Okay, I'm sorry. Well, anyway, bringing it forward, um, you now still have two groups of people, and you have those that are owed the discharge of their debts through bankruptcy, and you have those that are owed the discharge of their debts through probate. And you want to be one of those that's discharged through probate because that gives you the ability to regain all of your rights, all of your property, your land, and everything else. You do not want to take the bowl of porridge and just get your debts discharged um, by a bankruptcy. So the TDAs are the bankruptcy? My understanding is, is that they are... Of the result of the bankruptcy, and that they're for federal employees and federal dependents and not for rank-and-file Americans. So you could get in trouble if you're, if you're an actual American national uh, and you're claiming your land jurisdiction uh, identity and, and benefit and right, um, you could get in trouble for taking something that is intended to be the uh, version of this for the federal citizens. Oh, even for the federal c- citizen, even if you were a member of the government, isn't it a still a big theft? Because as you um, said, you bowl of porridge, but what's behind the bowl of porridge is what kind of fortunes lurk inside of the TDAs? Well, okay. What they did is they went out and they set up individual accounts master accounts for each one of us and issued a master account number which people would recognize as a social security number without dashes. Okay? And each one of those master accounts has 10 sub-accounts underneath it. And each one of those sub-accounts has anywhere from a few hundred to thousands of contracts that are attached to it. And all of these things generate money. And they're all taxable. So this is how the government has been making its money all these years, is by creating franchises named after us and then milking those franchises. And we never got any of it. It was all based on us and on our labor and on our assets, our actual land, our homes, our businesses, everything else, our anything you can think of from child labor contracts to construction contracts to uh, public utility contracts, they they made themselves franchises for every possible um, kind of activity that humans could engage in. And then they sold these contracts. They even sold your soul. They took your baptism, your act of baptism uh, as a Christian, and gave you a baptism, baptismal certificate, right? Anytime somebody gives you a certificate, they've taken your property. They've registered you. 
They've taken your property, and they are now in receipt of your property. And you have an indemnity receipt, a certificate. And they can take your property and trade it and sell it. Thank God we have Christ here. Yeah. Anna, I I must get your phone number. I know we're on the air now. I don't want you to give it out. Uh, We have things to talk about because I have things to tell you um, that are very interesting concerning the royal family and the line of genealogy, which goes actually goes all the way back to King David. And uh, that is not really understood, but I tell you the royal family knows that. They've always known that. And that's why the divine right to rule is so ingrained in them it's because they trace their lineage all lineage all back all the way back to King David and the kingdom and the kingdom of King David is is the is the kingdom of God I know that's a little bit difficult theologically to explain right now and I won't try but I have some information all about that that I would like to give you because what I'm hearing is you're giving the details of why I've been hearing in the spirits certain things. And boy, you have nailed it in the details and the dates. I often wonder why is there not a declaration of surrender from England after the uh, uh, Revolutionary War? Where is the sword of King George given over to George Washington? There's no such right. thing. There is no declaration. I would like to, in the documents, the, where they you know, keep all the documents of the country, where is the declaration of uh, um, surrender from England? It doesn't exist. Well, uh, Lord, go ahead, Cornwallis, Lord Cornwallis was the one who, who did the sword surrendering. It was his sword that was surrendered in the name of the king. Much as uh-huh, okay. when people came came a came ashore and made their claims in the first place. The king didn't actually come over here and stab a flagpole in, into the dirt and say, you know, I claim this in the name of myself, James I of England. Um, and in the same way, when the British left, it was not the king who did it. It was his general who did the, the sword surrender. And we did win the entire land jurisdiction and the undelegated portion of the international seed jurisdiction. So, um, you know, and since it's a delegated power, the queen never actually then today is, uh, she holds delegated power. She doesn't hold the power itself here. The actual power of of the combined states, which is uh, the unincorporated United States of America, is held by the head of state. And the head of state is uh, a hereditary member of the Bell Share family, not the not the Windsors or, or anyone associated with the Windsors. Mm. But a, a separate sovereign that um, has been, a, you know, a free sovereign in England since 1087 A.D. So there's another sovereign here, and there's another family line and so, as most things have been covered up and, you know, have been buried in deep deceit, um, we, we need to understand more about the international jurisdiction and how that was set it? up. 
how that works. What was the name of that ex- other sovereign? I just my phone just didn't quite connect. Um, Belle Share from from e- France. E- another oh. Another, yes, the beautiful beers. Belle Share. Yes. Okay. Yes, but I can tell you the whole history of that family too. Oh well. Okay, I'm, I I I do need to talk with you, uh, and not over the air because well, it's not because it's just too long. I want to get more information because I do have something that you might be interested in having done all this research. Okay, great. And so I'm not I'm not trying to interrupt you right now because your time is limited. I know that, yeah, but so it, we want to make it, sure. it it really is important. We need to have, make okay. sure you have time for your conversation on frequency as well. Because uh, part of what this whole thing was about for me when I heard the frequency conversation was that we tend to go blah, 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 and we talk to each other, but we don't touch the other realms that are around that conversation. So I'm appreciating expanding the realms. I'm also appreciating the conversation. of I like the rubber hand thing because what it says is that we believe certain things are true that aren't, that our senses can be off. And I think our senses haven't been off. I think we've known for a long time that something was off. But we we get blah, 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 and then we get reasoned, and we get all these different things sure. given to us. What happened, this is, uh, I'll just briefly say that this is because before the anything was, there were what we call sons and daughters of God prior to anything was that were with God. And so the, this, uh, I can't even describe how, how we were as beings, but we were with God before anything was. And these are called the sons and daughters of God, and that's what we have memory of. We get this from our Father God, and we were with Him before anything was. So there's this inkling of, I know something, and I I intuitively know something, but I don't know why I know it. Well, it's because you have the intuition that comes from your Father, which you got before any of the worlds were made. It was a real spirit realm. But right, that, that's that, why that. we can tell when someone's telling us the truth versus when they're right. telling us a big right. fat fib. Yeah, yeah. But they also say that if you tell the lie often enough, then people begin to believe it, and I think that's uh, I think we're the result of that as well. Yeah, that's so well, sure. And, and there was a group. There was a group of those who decided to become part of the deceiver, and they've been on Earth, and they've been very, very good at deceiving people. They, they were the fallen sons and daughters of God that got on Earth. You know what? One of the things you don't know that we were talking about, Anna and I, um, was is about the sand, and um, there's a very interesting video on Nessera uh, along with an article from Anna about the sand and I, I think it, it's it's worth mentioning um, what's going on with the sand because it explains so much and it's just like your conversation about the the bankruptcy of the of the government for the United States of America explains a lot and I think the sand explains a lot too and Anna I wondered if you could take like two minutes on the sand well this entire planet works on cycles and you know there are rock building and rock destroying cycles and there are you know uh, 
there's the carbon cycle, there's the silicon cycle, um, you know, all of these different cycles that um, create and destroy, and everything is kept in a balance, right? Well, when you physically destroy some aspect of one of those cycles, then you start causing destruction in other areas. It's like domino effect. If something gets really out of whack in one area, it will start impacting other areas. And so what we just found out about, and which we were carefully never told, just like the deep water horizon disaster, nobody ever knew that they were you know, doing this gigantically deep hole in the middle of the ocean, right? Um, there has been a lot of mining in international waters, and there's been a lot of mining by separate countries in the inter in the coastal zones, which are part of the uh, claim of the country's sovereignty, right? So they've been going around on the continental shelves, and they've been drilling, and they've been extracting minerals, and they've been extracting sand. And in the process of extracting all this sand and using it for many, many different purposes, they've altered the balance of life on the continental shelves and in part of the deep ocean where it's accessible to, to this kind of, of extraction of sand. And they've disrupted the, the entire biosphere of the ocean without anyone being aware of it. I mean, if you take and start removing millions upon millions of tons of sand from the ocean, what do you think is going to happen? Well, well, first of all, I think what's really important here is I, uh, you're sounding like they're just doing it, and it sounds to me like they're doing it intentionally. Because sure, they're doing it intentionally. Out ...was the heating up of the planet intentionally so that as the sand is, ca- is removed, that it causes the the um, land masses to shift and to do that you actually have to create you actually have to heat things up so it seems to me like it's a master plan for destruction of the planet is what it sounds like to me well it could be but I think it's more likely that they just found out that they could mine sand for free from the sea and on on the land they have to pay for it yeah well there's than that Anna uh, from from what I I got really jazzed when I when I heard that because it made such sense to me to explain things and that's when I <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> that's when I found out about the fact that there's a plan that goes along with it and the plan as I said is you have to get cause the climate to be warmer so that the land masses will shift and it's I, I think it's more than just taking sand I think it's more than being thoughtless. I think it's well, part of um, a much bigger thing. I, the, you know what Codus Elementarius is, right? Yeah. Yes. Could you tell our I listeners what Elementarius is? Uh, that is a, a a plan that resulted in ancient times in the scarification of the um, Sahara Desert. It, it basically be, was the, the seeding of the Sahara Desert from Egypt. And we now have this gigantic desert that is just a, a wasteland that was once a beautiful, verdant 
part of Africa. And it's been carried forward into, through the Roman Empire into the current day, into the current times. What I had but heard I, Elementarius was, was an 1869, uh, a 1969 decision, which I used to be able to find on the Internet, and I can't find it anymore, um, about reducing the population of the Earth from however many billion people we have to 500 million. And that would fit the sand plan as well. Well, and so, you know, that's that's the connection to the Sahara. Oops, we got about one sentence each left. Okay. <laughs> what would you like to say for your closing sentence, Anna? Well, it's, uh, these are evil beings, evil people and evil beings that shouldn't be here doing any of this. And what would you like to say for your last sentence? Well, if you look at Matthew 13, that's what Jesus is talking about. There's going to be a taking away of the tares, T-A-R-E-S. You know, the pretend wheat, and the wheat will stay, and the evil beings will be gone. Um, So we're at that point right now. The frequency in these evil people will actually kill themselves. Yeah, I have to, that's more than a sentence. I have to close this off. You guys hang on after the show is over and you can exchange information. Um, this program has been brought to you by Kirkard Intergalactic Media, our radio partners, com, Happily200.com, HeavenIncorporated.com, Dr. James Murphy, John Denver, Dr. Joe Wallach, Tippi Hedren, Carol Channing, Deepak Chopra, Ed Asner, Dennis Weaver, Larry Hagman, and Esther Williams, Admiral Eugene Carroll, Jane Goodall, uh, Jonathan Granoff, Dennis Kucinich, Chris Burgard, uh, Paul the Plumber, Terry Cole Whitaker, Sherry St. Vincent, David R. Descendant of King David, RandyShannon.com, Edward F. Group III, Shalene Nightingale, and DrValerie.com. And Doctor is all spelled out. Thanks to Paul C. Bragg for leaving us your daughter, Patricia, to continue your work. A big thanks to our team at Voice America. Uh, Jeff Spinard, our producer, Ryan Treasure, Randy Jackman, and our friends at Cumulus Radio, Mike Vitale, Mary Flynn, and Ron Simon, and our research director, Ron Hayes. Bless you all. To John Young at Totally Gospel, a big thanks for all the airtime and friendship you have given us over the years. A big thanks to our webmaster, Joseph Chung. Merci beaucoup to Bent Migan for our theme music, Almost Ordinary People, which is available to you as a free MP3. Next week, invite a, invite a friend to lesson. Be kind to yourself and someone else. Hold hands. You're not crazy anymore. You've Thank you for joining us today for Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkgaard. Waking Up in America can be heard live every Wednesday on voiceamerica.com and Valerie welcomes all emails at heavenincorporated.com. This is for all you knew, pouring through. Now your heart is open.